Hey guys, welcome back. So <clears throat> I had plans to actually do like a part B from, from last week and I was going to kind of do a lot this last Friday, but the Lord kind of put me on this other journey of thinking about married men and those men who would like to get married. So kind of men that are dating, I guess you can say. And I got into thinking about King Solomon. And if you guys know about King Solomon, um, you, you basically in first Kings. So if anything, um, that's where you can learn about a lot about him. But in first Kings 11 specifically, we discover that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now concubines are women that he was with, but were not married to him. It got me thinking about the relationships that were probably going on. And the interesting part about Solomon that makes him stand out from the other kings is that he was supposed to be the wisest man on earth. Now, you would think with all the wisdom that he had had that he would not be choosing to marry so many women because if any of you guys out there that are married know how hard it is just to have one relationship with one woman. Can you imagine trying to have 700 relationships with 700 women plus 300 on the, on the side, let alone all the kids? And can you imagine being one man versus 700 women when there's a problem? So one of the things that kind of struck this kind of conversation is that I don't know if you saw this last week, but uh, Candace Cameron Bure, uh, she got put in the spotlight because there was a picture of her husband reaching around her and it looks like he's grabbing her boob. Um, a lot of conservatives got upset because they said it was inappropriate. People were saying it was inappropriate, but in, in, the, in the big picture of the whole thing, they're married. How many times do we see women flaunting everything that they have in these TV shows, movies, music videos, and they're doing it with these men, <clears throat> vice versa, these men also doing this stuff with these women, and they're not married. But we don't call that a problem. No, we attack a woman and her husband, who he probably didn't even mean anything by the gesture. He just put his arm around his wife and were attacking this woman and even her husband and it got me to really think about that you know we have this weird understanding about marriage and just dating or being with somebody all of you men that are married you know you need to treasure your wife and all of you guys that are hoping to find a woman to marry you need to understand that love is not about the touchy feeling stuff. The true love between a man and a woman is much more than the physical desires that we have for a woman. I've seen so many people, young, young men to older guys who, when they share their stories or are currently going through their life, they spend a lot of time dating around. They spend a lot of time messing around. And some men sleep around. And 
there's two perspectives from it. Some some guys are doing it because they they enjoy lust, which is a sin. Okay. Other men think <clears throat> I mean, because movies and TV shows and probably some of the men in their lives they think the best way to understand someone's compatibility means compatibility in all levels. The one thing you can learn from Solomon is that compatibility is not the sexual part. But also, there is a lot of things you need to think about when you are considering to marry someone or if you are married with someone. <clears throat> a lot of times we don't talk about it, but if you guys have ever gone through premarital counseling and if it's good premarital counseling, they're going to talk about a lot of interesting perspectives that you probably don't talk about it with your girlfriend slash fiance at the time for one, like finances. Um, most of them do do that, but sometimes it's not very deep. And then you have um, like how the parents feel about the, the, the marriage. Like, is there a conflict between the, the future wife and the mother-in-law, which is the guy's mom, or vice versa, you know, the, the wife's dad versus, you know, the son-in-law that's going to be in the family. There's a lot of tension that could be built up. Um, there's also just between them two, like how are they going to handle uh, crisis? Or if things get hard, like what kind of stuff can they do? Like if you go get deeper into premarital counseling, you start trying to reach into the, the perspective because um, a lot of people have expectations. So I, I had to, when I've done it before to teach about premarital counseling, expectations is basically what you think your future wife is supposed to be doing necessarily for you. Um, a lot of times what happens is that, there is this expectation that the man is expecting the wife to be up when he's up in the morning, making him breakfast. And then he, he, he's going to have food there. And, you know, she finds out that, you know, um, I'm not planning to do that, but they don't figure that out until after marriage. And then they start getting bat angry, mad. And there's like this gruntle feelings toward each other. And because the man, because his mom made breakfast, he thinks that's what a wife's job is supposed to be for him. And then she, who was brought up in a family where you make your own breakfast on your own and it could be Pop-Tarts or whatever, she's expecting, hey, you figure out how to make your breakfast. So those are the things I mean by expectations. There's, There might be, um, he likes food a certain way, but he never talked to her about that. I mean, as, as silly as it may sound, some of that stuff is what causes strife and issues. And Solomon, I am sure, had got had to go through tons of that being married to 700 women let alone the biggest mistake that he made and in the New Testament even talks about to not yoke yourself with a non-believer. Now Solomon did not marry a bunch of Jews. He married women from all over different worlds, different countries and they came into his life. Now if anybody understands the the picture of you know putting a rotten apple inside a barrel of ap good apples, what happens to the other apples? It can contaminate them and they can go bad too. So Solomon does declare later on that many of his wives did steer him away from God. So the idea is, guys, what I want you guys to start thinking about 
especially you men who are thinking about getting married, you know, there's someone that you, you really think that she could be it. Um, especially you men that are married, you know, to consider how you, if you have expectations, but the idea is guys, you know, the relationship you're creating with this woman is vital to understanding each other, to know that deep connection with each other. And I'm not talking about the romance. I'm talking about just knowing that person. This is why I encourage and I, I challenge young people like teenagers into young adulthood to seek out friendships with girls versus dating around. You see, when we start, when we got to that point where we were starting to date a girl, the, the feeling is I got to be my best. But the truth is, guys, when you get married and all you guys know this, they're married after marriage looking your best all the time doesn't happen because it, you start putting down your guard you start being who you really are this is why when I hear guys say I gotta figure out who's compatible all I can see is that you're trying to you have created this mold of a wife interest or someone you want to be with and you're trying to find someone who fits it and what I'm trying to get you to, to start thinking is that Solomon, okay, had all these different types of molds of women. And he thought by having all these women, he would have a better understanding of how to deal it because he was the wisest man on earth. But you find out later it didn't do that. In fact, a lot of his wives made him turn from God, which caused problems in the kingdom. So the truth is, guys, sleeping around, being around all these women, you know, fooling around, dating someone for a couple of days or weeks or whatever, and then dumping them and go, you're not going to find what you're really looking for. Some men, it seems to work out for them. That's great. But can you imagine if you had asked God in the first place what you were looking for? I mean, it's, it's not a very huge thought, but most of the time I've been running into a lot of men and, and ladies and I, the one question I've asked because they're like oh, I'm going to be alone I'm going to be alone forever blah blah so their concern is not they don't want to be single which I'm going to be asking one of my friends uh, Jordan to it's probably going to be next week's um, to have a little conversation with him about singleness and being a Christian okay um, but that's a different story but the idea is that a lot of these young people or even older people that are, you know, haven't been married yet or divorced or whatever. I've always asked them, have you ever asked God to bring the woman into your life? And the ladies, you know, bring a man in your life. Have you asked God what type of man you should be chasing for? Have you asked God what type of woman you should be chasing for? And a lot of times the answer is they've never thought of that. So the thing is, we have a, a man who is the wisest man on earth and he thought it would be the smartest thing in the world for him to go and marry all these people. So a lot of times I look at Solomon and I think, you're the wisest, dumbest person in the world. You know, he didn't ask God. I'm pretty sure he didn't ask God about this. But why did God allow it? Could be so they could show us down the years what happens when you try to think, you think you're the so smart and so wise that you could figure out the answers of this world, that this is the best way to do it. 
so now Solomon has a, like another book that I always challenge young people to read and I will challenge you guys it's can be kind of hard reading but it's Ecclesiastes and that's in the Old Testament if you were to spend time going through that book it's basically Solomon telling you that everything in this world that you can chase after is worthless Now, I'm not saying that, you know, who you married or who you want to marry, you know, that they're worthless. Okay, don't get that in your head. I want you to understand he's saying chasing after the things of this world is worthless. So if you were to go to Ecclesiastes 1, go, go down to verse 12, it says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under the sun. So he's chasing after things of this world, thinking in his wisdom, he can do no wrong. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. So chasing after this worldly desires, pleasures, you know, like we talked about the American dream, we talked about, you know, going after the best business, trying to find the perfect wife, trying to get the best car house, you know, all that is going to be worthless at the end. Okay. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after win. So the word vanity in here, according to uh, like the footnotes and all that, they're talking about vapor. So the idea, the picture he's trying to get you to see is that chasing after everything that you see in this world is like you trying to chase down a cloud or steam or some type of like smoke in the air, trying to grasp it with your hand. It's nothing. It's worthless. You can't, you can't hold on to it. And then he says in verse 15, what is crooked cannot be made straight and what is lacking cannot be counted. Verse 16, I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after the wind. Verse 18, for in much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. So vexation, what I think the meaning holds to is the frustration of chasing after the wisdom that he thought he was gaining from the world with that it was going to make him even more wise and smarter and better than most people when he made when he made decisions turned out to be actually more frustrating so the, and then at the second part it says increases knowledge so knowing all this knowledge brought only sorrow so he thought that because of wisdom he would be able to take what is basically useless or dark of this world and like somehow it was going to be good at the end so I don't know specifically if he felt that's why having 700 wives and 300 concubines was going to like solve problems or complete him or make him feel uh, strong because in, if you go back to 1 Kings 11 and you go to verse 4 which is after he talks about his wives um, actually, just before that, it says, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, and was the heart of God 
which, uh, sorry, as was the heart of God, his father. So as he got older, he started chasing after the, the worldly stuff so much so that he basically compromised. He basically lost focus and where his heart and his mind should have been. Um, when you read scripture, a lot of times, especially Old Testament, the word heart is also the picture of your mind, too. So understand when they use heart a lot, it's also meaning your mind. And that's why a lot of times I look at that when we talk about the challenges we go through, your heart and mind connect in some ways. So like, you know how we talk about, I think we've talked about it before, but stuff you bring into your mind and in your, you know, your eyes. So like movies, TV shows, all that, all that visualness that comes into you does stick into your heart. That's why in Psalms it talks about that I have hidden your word in my heart so I won't sin against you. So in a lot of ways, when we take God's word, we're shoving in our brain and, and it's also part of who we are, our soul, like who we are. And so that's why later on when the Holy Spirit brings that stuff out there, it does make us think and makes us feel that maybe this is not the right thing to do. So going through all this, that's why I think it's important, all of us that, you know, treating a woman right, um, dating, when we decide to start dating, that's why when I when I think of dating, dating is a kind of like the first step towards marriage. So if you really think you need to date somebody, it's because you see a potentialness in that person to be your wife. I don't think you should date just to see if you're compatible. I think you should be dating that person because you think from what you've seen, what you've heard, being around them, what you like about them, it's not all about, oh, she's hot, I want to date her because I want I want to see if I can marry a hot lady. That's, that's not how it should be. If you're a Christian, you should be asking God, train me to be the man I need to be for my future wife now before I'm even married, before I start dating someone so that when I see her, I will know that you are bringing that person into my life. And there is a connection. There is a relationship with that person. You see, spending time talking to them, you know, hanging out with them, doing stuff with them, there is nothing wrong, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a romantic date. Like to me, when I met my wife and I met her through online, a lot of time was just talking, sharing, opening up, but it wasn't about, Oh, I want to be with you. I can't wait to be, you know, kiss you. I can't wait to, it, was, it wasn't that there. Cause it wasn't there yet. Okay. The goal was when we even, when we met, you know, we got to go on our first date together because I felt from, from all the stuff that we've spent from all the hours of talking and getting to know her, I felt the Lord tell me she's it. I know it's not going to happen to every person in the same way, but the, 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 the mindset that I had was years before I had been asking God to, to mold me into the type of man he needed me to be for my future wife to come. Now, I didn't marry her for like three years later, and we've been married now nine going on ten. Okay, so I've known her for like 14 years. Um. But the cool part of the whole thing was I got to know her and 
when you get married, you know, a lot of people think it's all about, you know, having sex, all about the romance. And the thing is, it dies off, guys. It doesn't stat that feeling of desire doesn't stay all the time because life gets in the way. Hardships come in. You will battle so much stuff together. And you're going to have to make a choice. Is If it's all about the feeling, if it's all about the romance, then you really didn't marry that person f- for who they were. You married them for their body. You, mar- you married them for your lustful desires. And that's, that's why <laughs> a lot of times in divorce, the common response is I've fallen out of love with somebody. And if you start hearing people say that, then they don't understand what love means. It has to be clear, guys. You know, your wife is a bond that you've created with her. And if you have not been building a relationship with her, don't expect that marriage to be growing. Don't expect her to notice you, get to know you and and just and connect with you. And if you think that a man should not be emotional, you are absolutely wrong. You can be emotional, but you can also be a leader. And you guys who are looking for Mrs. Wright, chasing, trying to chase all these girls down, trying to date them all, trying to get to just get to know them, ask God, because I could tell you this, he is the author of love. He knows these girls better than you do. And you could spend your whole time trying to figure it all out, but that's not the goal. God doesn't want you to have to figure out. He can do it for you. He can put the pieces together. It doesn't mean you don't have to do some work at it. it. doesn't mean when you date her that you don't follow your rules and regulations. But I could tell you this, it is way better to have God on your side and directing everything than you trying to figure it all out. That's like getting a puzzle and having no picture to follow. You're going to spend so much longer time trying to figure it all out. And I'm telling you guys, if you are married, don't be like Solomon, man. Just because you think you may have all this knowledge, you know a lot, and you've been married all these years, don't think that you know it all, because it could be your downfall. That that's always there's always a connection to pride in all this. Remember that until you you die, until she dies, until you both die, or the Lord returns, it is your responsibility to understand the mystique of a woman. And that means ch- chasing after your wife, getting to know her, always like challenging her, having her challenge you, allow her to even teach you. And you need to be that sensitive. You need to be open to that. It doesn't mean that you not being tough all the time makes you weak. Cause it doesn't, it makes you stronger because you are allowing yourself to be able to be intimate with her. There is a deepness that comes when you build a relationship with your wife. That means taking time to spend time with her and doesn't necessarily you two have to do what each other like to do, but find something that you could just just spend time, take her out on a date, make her feel special again. If you haven't done any dating, start dating again. Make it exciting for her. Because I'm going to tell you this, guys. Solomon had all the wisdom. You can learn so much about Solomon. He did, you know, Ecclesiastes and he talks about a lot of things that he experienced. And he's song, Songs of Solomon is basically a love letters from him to one of his wives. You can learn a lot from this guy. 
he did do a lot of good stuff. He did he did honor God. He did uh, lead his lead Israel right, but he also allowed his pride and he compromised at the end. So take this time this week, guys. If you're married, find a way to do something special for your wife and not something she expects you to do, not doing chores, but do something special for her. Guys, if you have found a girl and you think you want you want to marry her, ask God. Start asking God to, to mold you as a man, but also to, see, to, to show you if this is the right girl for you. You guys that are dating around, start thinking about are you dating because you want a relationship or are you dating because you want the physicalness? You want the, the kissing, the touching, the being with this person and not necessarily the relationship with this person. Because you can have a relationship with a girl without having to have it be romantically and be dating. I want you guys to think about it this week. So I'm going to pray real quick. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for this time, another episode where I, you kind of use me just to share what it is about marriage and dating and relationships and the fact that people have to attack Christians because they show how much they love each other publicly. That's just, it's just messed up. So I ask, Lord, that you, you challenge these men that are listening, if they're married, that they just chase after their wife this week in a way that makes her special, makes her feel that they love her. Um, challenge them to do date nights more often, Lord. Challenge them to seek out a relationship with their wives. Guys that are looking for uh, like a wife to be Lord, that you, you show them how to be a man. You, you teach them how to uh, be husbands now or, or be more prepared to be a husband now than after they're married. Help them to uh, seek you through these relationships, through these girls that they're interested in, or even a girl that they're engaged to, a girl that they want to be engaged to, um, that you show them more about this girl and the, the value that she is to this person, to the man or to the guy who's listening, Lord, and to those guys who are dating around or you know chasing after worldly things, Lord, about dating, that they recognize that just being around a bunch of girls doesn't make him have a better understanding of what type of girl he's looking for. Because if he's chasing after his heart's desires for a woman versus chasing after his heart's desires for you for a woman, those are two different things, Lord. As you put clarity in these men's hearts and their minds as they they see uh, how you can move and work in their relationships to, to build them into a godly one, to build them in the direction that you want it to go, Lord. And I ask that you just bless them for those men that are listening, who are trying to do it the right way, who are trying to honor you through it, who are seeking you out, that you encourage them. You bring men in their lives that will challenge them, men that will help them to seek you um, so that they can chase after these relationships with a good heart and for the right motives. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And like I said, guys, there's a way that you can support me. Um, it could be, I think it's like two bucks, four bucks, or 10 bucks a month. I would really appreciate it. If you guys could take the time to go do that. I mean, it's it's this this podcast and then the other one I'm going to be starting is all going to be about, this is, this is what I want to do to make money f- to help me start my church. Um, I just feel the Lord is calling me to do this church and I'm excited about it, but I need to have fun so I can move with my wife and we can start figuring out all the pieces at the town we want to do it at 
and so we could be on our own to do it. And I need to have the freedom. So I would appreciate it. And also prayers. I appreciate anything that you guys can give me. You guys have a blessed day.